Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name is Simon, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Supremex Inc. third quarter 2020 results conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, simply press star then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, Please press the pound key. Thank you. Ms. St. Marie, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Simon. Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Danielle St. Marie. I'm an independent advisor and act in an investor relations capacity for Supremex. With us today is Stuart Emerson, President and CEO, and Guy Pronovo, Chief Financial Officer and Corporate Secretary. I would like to welcome you to today's conference call to discuss your financial and operational results for the third quarter ended September 30, 2020, which were released earlier today. This call will be held in English. J'aimerais vous rappeler que cet appel sera tenu en anglais. For a more detailed analysis of our results, please see our financial statements, our management discussion and analysis, and our press release disclosed earlier this morning and available on the company's website and on CDOC. In addition, we posted a presentation supporting this conference call, which is available through the webcast and on our website. I would like to remind listeners that this conference call contains forward-looking information within the meaning of applicable Canadian securities laws, and I refer the audience to the forward-looking statement as detailed in the presentation supporting this conference call. Furthermore, risks and uncertainties are discussed throughout the December 31, 2019 MD&A under the heading Risk Factors. Unless stated otherwise, all figures are expressed in Canadian dollars. During this call and on the accompanying presentation, we use various non-IFRS measures, including adjusted EBITDA. These terms are also defined in our MDNA. With these formalities out of the way, I would like to turn the call over to Stuart Emerson, President and CEO at Supremex, to review this quarter's key operational highlights. Stuart? Thank you, Danielle, and welcome, everyone. Although the third quarter of 2020 continued to be affected by the ongoing pandemic, I'm genuinely pleased with our operational and financial results. Revenues are up by more than 10%, and adjusted EBITDA is up by almost 50% year over year. We believe this speaks volumes about our team's ability and determination to navigate the unprecedented situation and their laser focus in ensuring that we reach our objective of improving profitability and delivering shareholder value. Earlier in the year, we concluded the acquisition of Royal Envelope, which has proven to be both timely and highly beneficial. It has allowed us to mitigate the impact of the COVID pandemic on our Canadian envelope sales and extract operational synergies throughout the envelope segment. Our US envelope operations also fared very well in the third quarter. Sales are up from share of wallet gains, steady market share growth, and to a lesser extent from the vote by mail initiative ahead of the 2020 U.S. elections. Revenue from our packaging segment also increased this quarter and for a second consecutive quarter. Revenues were up just shy of 20% in the segment, primarily from relatively new subscription-based e-commerce packaging customer relationships, which we have been onboarding since the start of the year. We have been organically growing this line of business for almost five years now and working hard at refining our approach and fine-tuning our portfolio. As we've talked in the past, our e-commerce offering is not for everybody, and this product category has a long sales cycle and requires significant investments of time and R&D on our part. 
The payoff is the market's increasing, increasingly recognition of our unique custom e-fulfillment packaging solution and its compelling value proposition. As anticipated, the folding carton operations have improved nicely and, and are operating at high levels. The replacement and new equipment is functioning as expected and is highly efficient. On the sales front, COVID has adversely affected some uh, of our market segments, namely cosmetic and fragrances, and we haven't really seen a COVID-related bump in any of our other segments, but sales from over-the-counter pharmaceutical customers held up nicely in both the second and third quarter, and the team has done a very nice job on mitigating the declines with new business growth. All in all, the combination of significantly more efficient operations, some pharma growth, and new business wins generated a very satisfying Q3 and year-to-date performance in folding carton. From a financial perspective, after two fairly difficult years of working to integrate several packaging acquisitions, a couple of envelope acquisitions, and completing some significant growth capex, it is encouraging that the vision and diversification is serving us well, and all signs indicate we are going in the right direction. Amid these uncertain times, our diversified product offering and expanding geographical reach has served us well in mitigating the challenges among certain customers and lines of business. We continue to manage through the temporary COVID-induced revenue impacts on our base business by aggressively pushing into new, new sales markets, tightly managing costs, driving synergies, and improving operations, all with the goal of generating sustainable and lasting success. Operationally, we have built out our team, have improved our skills, refined our approach, and are building on the lessons learned to become an even better integrator and operator. Although the short-term future is far from certain for both our customers and the economy as a whole, over the last three quarters, we have demonstrated our ability to not only manage through the challenges presented, but to significantly improve our operations. In order for this momentum to continue, we will steadfastly focus on operational excellence and work towards profitable growth across all our lines of business. I'd like to now turn the call over to Guy for a review of our financial results. Thank you, Stuart. Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> Total revenue for the three-month period ended September 30, 2020, grew by 10.4% to $49.9 million. Revenue from the envelope segment increased by 6.9% to $34.1 million, compared to $31.9 million in the third quarter of 2019. Canadian envelope revenue was up 6.9% to $21.7 million. Volume increased by 13.4%, primarily from the contribution of the acquisition of Royal Envelope, which more than compensates for the effect of secular decline on our legacy envelope business and for the effect of the pandemic on non-essential mail. Average selling prices were 5.7% lower to, uh, from changes in the envelope mix sold during the pandemic. On a pro forma basis, the combined Q3 2019 Canadian envelope revenue of Supremex and pre-acquisition Royal Envelope were $27.1 million versus $21.7 million in Q3 2020 a decline of 20%. Revenue from the U.S. envelope market was up 6.8% to $12.4 million. Volume increased by 15%, while average selling prices decreased by 7.1%, also from the changes in the mix sold during the pandemic, slightly mitigated by a positive foreign exchange transition effect of approximately 0.8%. Revenue from the packaging and specialty product segment grew by 18.9% to $15.8 million. Revenue growth came from e-commerce packaging sales, as explained in Stuart's opening remarks. Packaging, especially products, represented 31.6% of the company's revenue in the quarter, up from 29.3% during the equivalent period of last year. 
EBITDA and adjusted EBITDA was 8.1 million compared with 5.4 million in the equivalent period of last year, representing an increase of 49.3%, primarily from the contribution of Royal Envelope, higher e-commerce sales, growth in the U.S. envelope business, and 0.9 million from the Canadian Emergency Wage Subsidy Program. Adjusted EBITDA margins increased to 16.2% of revenue compared to 12% in the equivalent quarter of 2019. Excluding the contribution of the subsidy, adjusted EBITDA margins were 14.3% of revenue. On a segmented basis, the envelope segment adjusted EBITDA was 5.8 million, up 0.6 million for, from 5.2 million. Profitability of the Canadian envelope operations improved with the acquisition of Royal Envelope, which, in addition to new sales volume, provided synergies in production efficiencies and procurement. On the percentage of segmented revenue, adjusted EBITDA from the envelope segment was 16.9%, up from 16.3% in the equivalent period of 2019. The packaging and specialty product segment adjusted EBITDA was 2.9 million, up 2.3 million from the equivalent period of 2019, primarily from higher e-commerce sales and efficiency gains at our folding carton packaging activities in our folding carton activities. On the percentage of segmented revenue, adjusted EBITDA from the packaging and specialty product segment was 18.5% compared to 4.5% in the equivalent period of 2019. Net earnings were 2.7 million or 10 cents per share in the third quarter of 2020 compared to with 1.2 million or 4 cents per share in the equivalent period of 2019. Net cash flows from operating activities were 26.1 million during the first nine months of 2020, compared with 11.7 million in the equivalent period of 2019. The improvement is mainly attributable to higher net earnings and to a 7.6 million positive net change in the working capital adjustments. In the third quarter, we reimbursed 4.2 million of debt and 14 million year-to-date when taking into consideration the 27.4 million for the royal acquisition. Our debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio is not 2.25 times. During the third quarter of 2020, we purchased for cancellation 152,900 shares under our NCIB program, which was initiated earlier in the quarter. Operator, we can now turn the call over for questions. Thank you. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, I would like to remind everyone that in order to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. We will pause for just a moment to compile the Q&A roster. And your first question comes from the line of Neil Linsdell with Industrial Alliance. Your line is open. Hey, good morning, guys. Morning, Neil. Um, Okay, just uh, a little bit of housekeeping with Guy first before we get into some of the good stuff. Uh, just wanted to check on the the wage subsidy you talked about. So the 8.1 million includes it. So if you back it out, it would be 7.2 million EBITDA, right? Right. And on the so your EPS, your 10 cents EPS, that includes the the wage subsidy as well. So if you back it out, it'd be seven cents around there. Oh boy, I have not done the calculation, but um, it's 900,000 divided by 28. Million share, but, so. but the ten, but the ten cents yeah. includes the the nine hundred thousand. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, and then when I'm when I'm looking at the segmented adjusted EBITDA margins, correct me if I'm wrong, but your your packaging uh, adjusted EBITDA is the highest it's been, and it's now overtaken 
uh, envelope. Is that right? As, as a percentage, yes. Yeah. And now, yeah, it, 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 is that now going to be the new ongoing thing? Because that was a that's it's surprising. And is there a wage subsidy kind of impact in the quarter that boosted it more than the envelope side? We did not include the wage subsidy in the segmented info, so it's part of the unallocated cost on our um, MD&A in the table for segmented EBITDA uh, results. It's, it's okay. not part of the segment itself, so it does not skew that number at all. Oh, so that's a clean number. So is that a new kind of EBITDA margin we should be looking at going forward for the packaging side? I'll let Stuart answer that question. <laughs> <laughs> This is where we had a we had a strong quarter, obviously, Neil, on the packaging side. Um, It's where we where we were aiming for, where we've been driving for over the last couple of years, and sort of on the lessons learned. Um, You know, but the I won't say the stars were all aligned, but um, they were they were pretty well aligned in the quarter. So. You know, whether I'm prepared to put a pin in it that that's kind of the the new the new mark, and you know we'll build from there. I'm I'm just not sure. I'd like to have a couple more quarters with it. Just I think also on you know the envelope EBITDA, um, it's fair to say that envelope has been more adversely affected by uh, by COVID. Um, so from a wage subsidy standpoint, I mean, more of it would be, if we were to apply it, more of it would be applied on that side, boosting yeah, the majority, yeah. yeah, boosting the, you know, the margins of the envelope side by that, by that amount. Virtually the vast majority of what we received um, was in relation to the impact on the Canadian envelope side. And again, keep in mind, envelope segment includes the U.S. Also, so it's not pure Canadian envelope. And you know, when you think about it, Canadian envelope is, has declined uh, fairly. Um, you know, the non-essential mail component of uh, Canadian envelope is, has uh, driven a fairly steep decline, and we were able to off, offset that with growth in the U.S. in the Canadian plants, but it's just not at the same level. Okay, uh, just to go back to the envelope, I wasn't sure if you. I wasn't sure if I caught it in your prepared remarks, Guy. Did you give the organic growth decline excluding the royal envelope contribution? Or the royal envelope contribution to revenue in the quarter? Uh, what we had for the um, decline, on, actually the gain in envelope uh, is 6.9% for Canadian envelope. But then when you uh, factor in uh, on a pro forma basis, world envelope, you know, uh, and we're down, it's down 20% on the uh, envelope. So if we had taken right. so, Royals, Royals run rate plus Supreme Legacy Supreme X from this same quarter last year, we're looking at a 20% decline. Okay, that's about what I was looking for any uh, expected in the quarter. Okay, so if, if we look at that now, is there any other kind of... Um, you mentioned the mail-in uh, vote uh, in the U.S. I don't know if that was a huge contributor to revenue in the quarter. Uh, is there any benefit that we could see in Q4 from that or any other kind of one-time events? Uh, no. Um, thinking off the top of my head, but no, I don't I don't think there's anything that's really sort of that one-off type. It's more the steady gains that we're getting. We're, and we're seeing sort of a bounce back in the economy. I mean, uh, inventories are being rebuilt. We talked about that last quarter. Um, 
but no, there's not anything sort of, uh, there's a little bit of, and I, <laughs> I wish my manager that uh, is leading it was here with me, but um, we've also got the census envelope that's kind of straddling Q, the Canadian census is kind of straddling Q3, Q4, um, which would be a bit of a one-time. Much less than it was four years ago, that's for sure, though. I mean, significantly downsized the, uh, the amount of physical mail. Right. Okay. Uh, any other one-time things we should think about that might be coming up in, in Q4, Guy? No, we'll, you know, we're, we're still uh, eligible for queues um, as far as October uh, without going into details and so on, but uh, it, the program is less generous than the Q3. Um, but besides that, I don't, I can't think of anything. Okay, so some contribution from the wage subsidy, but less than what we saw in Q3. Potentially less, yeah, that's what we believe. Okay. Uh, and then, Stuart, I just wanted to finish it off with the packaging. Obviously, you know, especially with that margin, that, that's a really good performance. But there's a lot of stuff that fits into that packaging, especially product side from, from the, uh, the envelopes on the pharmaceutical side to the cosmetics kind of packaging to some of the more specialized e-commerce uh, type packaging. So can you run us through kind of segmenting uh, within that what's doing better and what we could look forward to? Because you have talked about some of these projects being long kind of lead times or sales cycles. So where should we start to see some kind of benefit? Where is it going to be? And, and what should we look most forward to seeing? So, I mean, per, per uh, Guy's um, comments, most of the growth came from, um, from fulfillment packaging, the e-commerce side of the business. Um, and when I talk about long sales cycle, we're really talking about that segment in itself. We don't, we don't benefit from sort of off the shelf, over the or off the shelf, um, you know, changes in buying patterns um, through e-commerce. Our product is highly niche, highly specialized, and you know, it's a it's a cost in use uh, sale versus um, sort of a convenience sale. So those those sales cycles are long. The benefits we're getting today, you know, we're really those seeds were sown Q1, Q2 of last year. Um, you know, and by the time you do all the R&D and all the on, uh, development and onboarding, you sort of see it a year later. So we're reaping what we sowed last year, um, and you know we continue to we continue to sow more seeds. So um, we think you know sort of through uh, Q4, Q1, Q2 next year, it's just you know repeats itself. Uh, the the um, folding carton business, it's a combination of the two. Um, you know. Uh, it's but primarily driven by operational efficiencies. Um, you know, we, we talked last year about you know press down and you know some of those other things associated and outsourcing and and so on. That's all been brought in house now. The the equipment is running very very efficiently. Has created a nice uh, opening for um, continued growth and uh, existing uh, with the existing capacity. But you know that side of the business. I mean, it was it was hit pretty hard. I mean, we've talked in the past that you know the cosmetic and fragrances was a big part of the first act we did, and it stands to reason that you know there's not a lot of, or there's a lot less cosmetic and fragrance being used over the last couple quarters than um, in prior years. So that that hit us pretty hard. But the group's done and our, our pharma sales are up, and um, the group's done a nice job of bringing on new customers, having completely offset the COVID decline piece, but 
they've closed the gap enough that also the operating efficiencies, you know, improve pro uh, profitability significantly. Okay, so can we look for, I'm just wondering if we should really look at kind of lumpy growth over say the next 12, 24 months as some of these projects kind of come online that you're looking at or or would it be more I don't know, smooth? Yeah, I would, I, I would say that's fair. I would say that's fair both from the uh, the on the growth, the onboarding, and also the um, you know the return of you know revenue that that's left us for whatever reason, um, or primarily related to COVID. You know, I think the cosmetic and fragrance. I mean, depending on how long this thing goes and you know how quick it comes back, you know, is it hockey stick or is it a K curve or whatever? I mean, that will lead to to lumpiness. I would say. Both on new and, okay. and on. Right. I don't, I don't suppose you want to talk about any of the new projects you might be working on? <laughs> uh, not at this time. Okay. But there's a lot, of them. a lot of them. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's it for me. Thanks. I'll also, in my closing remarks, address maybe a little bit, you know, on the, um, on the, um, you know, there's still some opportunities operationally and uh, from an integration standpoint that we'll talk a little bit about. Thank you, Neil. And there are no further questions at this time. Mr. Emerson, I'll turn it back over to you for closing remarks. Hey, thank you very much. And thank you, Neil, for, uh, for your questions. Um, safeguarding the well-being of our employees, suppliers, and customers remains our number one priority. We also remain laser focused on managing the effects of secular decline and the pandemic on both our top and bottom lines. I believe that our improved results over the last two quarters through the heart of the chaotic environment we're in demonstrates that our vision was solid and that we have emerged stronger as a result of the learnings from the past two years. For the balance of the year and into 2021, we'll remain very prudent and focused on operational improvement, cash flow generation, deleveraging and profitably growing our packaging segments. We also remain cautious with our capital allocation, prioritizing debt reimbursement, and when possible, purchasing shares for cancellation. Our long-term long strategy remains the same. Leverage our Canadian envelope assets to grow in the US, accelerate packaging revenues to reach a 50-50 split with the envelope segment. We are well-equipped and positioned to gain market share on all of our lines of business and are resolute in our quest to fill available capacity. Additionally, there's more we can do on integration and to improve operations to enhance profitability, and we'll focus on those areas, particularly within the packaging segment, to ensure we continue to deliver. Finally, I'd like to acknowledge and thank our, all of our 850-plus employees and our leadership team for their steadfast commitment to delivering on the plan and doing so safely. This completes my closing remarks. Wish you all a terrific weekend, and look forward to, talk, to discussing the fourth quarter results in February. Take care, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.